I don't know if you saw any of the memes that were kind of flying around about New Year's and between the years, there's one that said about being kind of the 1st of December to the 25th, feeling festive, hats on, and then between the years, feeling confused, full of cheese, can't work out what day it is, just slightly discombobulated. I find that this time between the years is a liminal space. So I looked up the word liminal, and it means occupying a position at or on both sides of a threshold or a boundary relating to a transitional stage of a process, kind of being between things, on the edge of things, moving between, liminal. And that's what this time is between the years. And next year, 2024, marks the centenary of our church. Plymouth Christian Center, we will be 100 years old next year and we'll be celebrating that in 2024. I've been thinking again about the old and the new um, as, as we just um, get ready for a new year and look upon the old. When I uh, took over the senior lead of this church, which was 13 years ago, um, I did a little sermon series called Old Roots and New Shoots. And I was thinking about that phrase again as we go into our centenary year and as we are in this space between. The original um, message series that I preached 13 years ago was inspired by something I saw on holiday in France. We were on holiday, we were walking in the forest and I saw the stump of a tree in this forest, old roots, it was all gnarled and it was just a stump really. But then I saw out of this stump, out of this gnarled old tree, which has obviously been there for a very long time, I saw shoots growing up out of the stump, fresh new shoots. And I just felt in that moment of, the, of that honoring of the old and the need for the old and the need for the roots and, and also that hope for the new, the new shoots, the the new things that God is doing. So I just want us to think about that for a few minutes this morning, about these old roots and these new shoots. January is, is probably many people's not their favorite month of, of the year in some ways. It's quite stark. Uh, the festivities of Christmas are over. The trees are bare. And um, they dig into the hard earth uh, as the cold winds come. And, but they have these roots that have grown down for many, many years. And even though on the surface, the trees are bare and the leaves are gone, down beneath the surface is where the action is happening, where the roots are reaching down and gripping the earth during the winter storms um, and then bringing life to the tree as it brings new foliage into being. The importance of our old roots and I, I want to think about the roots of church and church history and church doctrine and church tradition. And I want to think about being rooted in Christ this morning. What happens when we have no roots? Jesus told a story of a of seed that was sown and he said, since one person has no root, they last, he lasts only a short time when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. Being rooted in church 
and church history and church doctrine is, is really, really important. Hebrews 12 verse 1 says, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders the sin that so easily entangles and run with perseverance the race marked out for us. This is in Hebrews 11, a roll call of biblical characters who have been faithful down the generations and who have stood for their faith in God. And Paul, or the writer of Hebrews says, since we're surrounded by this great pantheon of people that have lived their faith before us, let us run our race on our stretch with perseverance and with endurance. There's a thing um, going on in the church at the moment in the evangelical world. It's called deconstruction, where people critically dismantle tradition and traditional modes of thought. And all that's as much as has gone before in evangelicalism is deconstructed, taken apart, ripped apart, um, and, and dismantled. And in many ways, deconstruction is leading to deconversion, where people step away from faith. When our children were little, we were walking one New Year's Day, it was, and it had been snowing, and on that day, it was really, really slippery, and we saw a lot of people falling over, people stumbling, slipping. Uh, everywhere you look, people were on their backsides, having slipped in the snow or the ice. And uh, I remember Beth, our daughter at the time, uh, very young, saying, Daddy, I've worked out how not to slip and fall over. It's to walk in other people's footsteps. It's to walk in other people's footsteps. G.K. Chesterton said that tradition is the living faith of our dead fathers. There is and there are other people's footsteps. Since we're surrounded by such a great crowd of witnesses. These are our roots, and there's a couple of thousand of years of church history where these roots have been established and put down doctrinally and theologically. Elim, the part of the church that we are part of here at Plymouth Christian Center, has just celebrated a hundred years, a couple of years ago, of its history, and we are celebrating a hundred years next year, 2024. And I was thinking, as I mentioned at Christmas, I was thinking of those family members that have passed on. Our Christmas this year was very different. But I was thinking of, of grandparents and aunts and uncles who are no longer with us. And I, I think sometimes of those that have gone before us in this church, even in the time I've been here, I've been here nearly 25 years, and I remember so many people that have come and gone and passed on into the presence of the Lord, some of them this past year. Those who have gone before us and kept the faith and kept it to the end, the importance of their stories to inspire and, and excite us. And in this coming year, we will tell some of the stories of our church and of those that have gone before and those that built this place and were part of its history. Paul wrote to Timothy about the faith that was in his mother and that was in his grandmother. And it's so important that we're rooted in the church and in the church history and in church tradition and in church doctrine. In Colossians 2, 6 and 7, Paul writes to the church there and he says, just as you received Christ, 
Jesus as Lord. Continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him. You were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Strengthened in the faith as you were taught. Continue in Christ, rooted in him, in the faith that you were taught and those that taught it to you. I was thinking of the Apostles' Creed and how we stand on the truths of scripture and doctrine that have stood the test of time in the church of Jesus Christ. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost. He was born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate. He was crucified and he died and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits on the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The Apostles' Creed. We stand on these truths. The wisdom of the old, the passion of the young. And it's not even age, but it's attitude sometimes in us. The passage there where Paul writes to the Colossians and continues to challenge them to be rooted in Jesus and in the faith as taught to them, he says as he goes on, overflowing with thankfulness. Overflowing with thankfulness. Be rooted in thankfulness. I was reading this morning Psalm 136. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And, and his love, give thanks to the Lord. His love endures forever. And, and then what the psalmist does, he starts to list the things for which he is thankful. His love endures, interspersed with, his love endures forever. His love endures forever. Everyone playing their part, building stones, a habitation of God. So rooted in church and in church history is, being, is so important. But rooted in Christ. We need to be rooted in Christ. Um, the the, the, Nash, the New Living Translation version of Colossians 2 says, Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth that you were taught. Jesus the center, everything else comes to an end, but he never does. As we prepared for Christmas, we reflected on Isaiah 8 and 9 and the people that walked in the darkness have seen a great light and to us a child is born and a son is given. We reflected on Isaiah's teaching and preaching and prophesying to the people of Judah as the Assyrians were coming and they were living in great times of darkness. He goes on, Isaiah, in Isaiah 11, to talk about the Israelites coming out of this dark time and that there was still hope for them even after being exiled. And in Isaiah 11 verse one he says, there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And then he goes on in chapter 11, Isaiah, and verse 10, he says, In that day, the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples, 
Of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. In 11 verse 1, Isaiah gives us a picture of a forest that has been so devastated that only a single stump remains. And this is the prophecy for Israel. The preceding chapters are Isaiah describing God's anger and God's judgment against the people of Israel who've turned away from him and the, and the oppression that is coming from enemy nations. And from the 8th to the 6th centuries BC, David's dynasty, David's throne dwindled and eventually it came to apparent extinction with the Babylonian exile. And God seemed to have forgotten his promise that there would always be someone on David's throne, that his throne and his lineage would never end. <coughs> and it seemed that all that was left was the stump of Jesse, this, this stump of a tree with no hope for the people of God. No king on the throne of Israel, Davidic or otherwise, for 600 years. A stump was all that was left of this once great nation. But life remained in the stump. And with his prophetic eyes, Isaiah looked forwards and he saw shoots emerging out of this stump. And then he saw it grow into a mighty tree. And that shoot is Christ, through whom the throne of David has been restored. And so Paul mentions this in Romans 15 Verse 12, he says, and again Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come. And even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, in him will the Gentiles hope. And then in Revelation 22, verse 16, right at the end of the story, the book, the Bible, Jesus says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright and morning star. Even when things seem to have died, when there seems to be just a stump of life left, when there seems to be devastation, when there seems to be no hope, right throughout history, even in the darkest times of God's people, the prophets have stood up and said, there is hope. There is one that is coming. There is, even out of this stump, will come one, will come a root, a shoot of David a shoot of Jesse, and he is the Christ. And I think of the longevity, I think of the eternal nature of Christ, who was and is and is to come. I think of the transience of life, the shortness of life. I think of liminal times like now between the years where we may feel a little disorientated. Paul referenced perhaps looking back at a difficult year or looking forward with anxiety or with hope, but in the midst of all of that, transcending it, going beyond it, is the hope of Christ, is the rootedness of Christ, which is why Colossians says, be rooted in Christ. Put your roots down into him. He is the eternal one. Things may come and things may go. Seasons may come and seasons may go. Life seasons may change. But in all of this, put your roots down into the one who gives us eternal hope, and that is Jesus. And he gives us new shoots of hope as well, like those shoots that I saw growing out of that tree in France, out of that stump. What has been Ecclesiastes, what has been will be again, and what has been done will be done again. There's nothing new under the sun. We live in a throwaway culture, don't we? And 
Uh, I mentioned the repair shop um, in my Christmas message. One thing I love about the repair shop is I love the way they take old things and they renew them. They don't throw them away. They're too precious. They've got too many memories. They take something that's old and dilapidated and, and fading and broken and they renew it. They restore it. They refresh it. They repair it. And we live in a culture and in many of our own lives where we're willing to throw away things that don't need to be thrown away. They need to be repaired. They need to be restored. They need to be renewed. They need to be revived. To renew means to make new again. To revive means to bring back to life. To restore means to return to the original condition. And I think God wants to do that in many of our lives as well. In Ezekiel 37, God comes and asks the prophet, looking at kind of the nation state and the mess that they're in and looks at a valley of dry bones and he asks the prophet, can these dry bones live again? And in, in many ways, the answer would seem no. But with God, God, they can. With the breath of God and the inspiration of God. And I love these words from Job 14. At least there is hope for a tree. If it's cut down, it will sprout again. And its new shoots will not fail. Its roots may grow old in the ground. Its stump die in the soil. Yet at the scent of water, it will bud and put forth shoots like a plant. Even though the tree seems to be dead, Job says, at the scent of water at the move of the Spirit, at the touch of God, with the breath and inspiration of a God who deals in the impossible, can come new life and new shoots and new hope. There is hope for that tree, even though it seems to have died. Personal revival, church revival, city revival. And I think that God can renew and restore many things. I think God can restore our joy if that's gone, restore unto me, David said, didn't he, the joy of your salvation. Restore to me the joy of salvation. You restore my soul, God, the psalmist says, Psalm 23. You are the restorer of my very soul. God can restore joy to us where joy has gone. It's dissipated. It's, it seems to have disappeared, but God can restore that to us. God can restore our our first love for him, if that seems to have fallen away, yet, and he, and he encourages us to find again and to have restored again our, our love for him. And here's good news for many of us who are getting older. God can restore our youth, even. Amen. Amen. I looked in the mirror this morning. I thought, man, I'm looking gray. <laughs> no. <laughs> Not good. Praise the Lord, the psalmist says, O my soul, forget not all his benefits. He satisfies your desire with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. (laughs) It's your attitude, not your age. (laughs) Old men dreaming dreams, having strength and passion, excitement and not cynicism. What else is God going to do in my life? What else has God got for me? He can renew even our youth if it seems to be slipping away.
He can renew your strength this morning and restore that to you as well. And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong and firm and steadfast. It's Peter writing in 1 Peter 5. But those who hope, Isaiah says, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. I went for a run yesterday and I ran and I did grow weary. (laughs) But they will run and not grow weary. They will walk and they will not faint. So I would say, not in some kind of triumphalistic kind of head in the sand, the best is yet to come, blow the trumpet, it's new year, rah, rah. I wouldn't say it like that. But I would say the best is yet to come. In biblical and godly terms, do not say, it says in Ecclesiastes, do not say, why were the old days better than these? For it is not wise to ask such questions. But instead, I think we should have the cry of Habakkuk. Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, O Lord. Renew them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. So in this liminal space, this space between the years, on a threshold, either side of a threshold, a time of transition, as we think about the old roots of church tradition and church history, even our own history as a church, which we'll reflect on in this coming year, 100 years of those that have gone before us and 2,000 years of the church itself, as we reflect on the foundations of our doctrines which have been taught to us, we don't want to deconstruct them, we want to be rooted in them and stand firm on them. We want to be rooted in the church, in the church history, in church tradition, in orthodoxy, but we want to be rooted in Christ, ultimately the one who spans the ages. And there is hope for those new shoots, even though you may look at the stump in the ground and think there is no hope for that tree that has been cut down. Even there, at the scent of water, when God moves, there can be renewal, there can be restoration, there can be revival, there can be hope, and there can be a future. So I'd love to pray for us this morning and say truly that the best is yet to come. Let's pray. My prayer for you this morning is found in Romans chapter 15. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. May the God of hope fill you, fill you today, fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow so full that you will overflow with hope 
by the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, I pray on the cusp, the turning of a year, I pray, God, that your hope would fill your people, your joy and your peace, and a trust in you would rest upon us and within us. I pray that we would overflow with this hope And I pray that we would do that not in our own strength or pulling ourselves up by our bootlaces, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. So I thank you for the old. I thank you for the faith that has been taught to us. I thank you for the grandparents and great-grandparents and mothers and fathers and Sunday school teachers and youth leaders and elders and older people in the church that have gone before us I thank you for them. I thank you for their faith. I thank you for that great cloud of witnesses, biblical witnesses throughout scripture that cheer us on. And I pray, God, that we as your people in this coming year would run with perseverance the race marked out for us. I pray that we would run and not grow weary and we would walk and not faint. I pray for times of renewal and restoration, God for revival, that you would give back life where there is death, that you would give hope where there is hopelessness, that you would give strength where there is weakness, God, that you will give us new life, new hope, new joy, and new strength, and new peace. Father, I pray that you would bless this, your people, in this coming year, in Jesus' name, amen.